Section 15 of Rights of Man by Thomas Paine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Rights of Man, Part the First, being an answer to Mr. Burke's attack on the French Revolution. Part 12 of 13. The failure of this scheme renewed the subject of convening the States General, and this gave rise to a new series of politics. There was no settled form for convening the States General. All that it positively meant was a deputation from what was then called the clergy, the noblesse, and the commons. But their members or their proportions had not always been the same. They had been convened only on extraordinary occasions, the last of which was in 1614. Their numbers were then in equal proportions, and they voted by orders. It could not well escape the sagacity of M. Nacar that the mode of 1614 would answer neither the purpose of the then government nor of the nation. As matters were at that time circumstance, it would have been too contentious to agree upon anything. The debates would have been endless upon privileges and exemptions in which neither the wants of the government nor the wishes of the nation for a constitution would have been attended to but as he did not choose to take the decision upon himself he summoned again the assembly of the notables and referred it to them this body was in general interested in the decision being chiefly of aristocracy and high-paid clergy and they decided in favor of the mode of sixteen fourteen this decision was against the sense of the nation and also against the wishes of the court for the aristocracy opposed itself to both and contended for privileges independent of either the subject was then taken up by the parliament who recommended that the number of the commons should be equal to the other two and they should all sit in one house and vote in one body the number finally determined on was one thousand two hundred six hundred to be chosen by the commons and this was less than their proportion ought to have been when their worth and consequence is considered on a national scale three hundred by the clergy and three hundred by the aristocracy but with respect to the mode of assembling themselves whether together or apart or the manner in which they should vote those matters were referred footnote Mr. Burke, and I must take the liberty of telling him that he is very unacquainted with French affairs, speaking upon this subject, says, quote, The first thing that struck me in calling the States General was a great departure from the ancient course. And he soon afterwards says, From the moment I read the list, I saw distinctly and very nearly as it happened all that was to follow. End quote. Mr. Burke certainly did not see all that was to follow i endeavored to impress him as well before as after the states-general met that there would be a revolution but was not able to make him see it neither would he believe it how then he could distinctly see all the parts when the whole was out of sight is beyond my comprehension and with respect to the quote, departure from the ancient course end quote besides the natural weakness of the remark it shows that he is unacquainted with circumstances the departure was necessary from the experience had upon it that the ancient course was a bad one the states-general of sixteen fourteen were called at the commencement of the civil war in the minority of louis the thirteenth but by the class of arranging them by orders they increased the confusion they were called to compose the author of l'intrigue du cabinet 
intrigue of the cabinet who wrote before any revolution was thought of in france speaking of the states general of sixteen fourteen says quote, they held the public in suspense five months and by the questions agitated therein and the heat with which they were put it appears that the great les grandes thought more to satisfy their particular passions than to procure the goods of the nation and the whole time passed away in altercations ceremonies and parade from l'intrigue du cabinet volume one page three twenty nine and footnote the election that followed was not a contested election but an animated one the candidates were not men but principals societies were formed in paris and committees of correspondence and communication established throughout the nation for the purpose of enlightening the people and explaining to them the principles of civil government and so orderly was the election conducted that it did not give rise even to the rumor of tumult the states general were to meet at versailles in april seventeen eighty nine but did not assemble till may they situated themselves in three separate chambers or rather the clergy and the aristocracy withdrew each into a separate chamber the majority of the aristocracy claimed what they called the privilege of voting as a separate body and of giving their consent or their negative in that manner and many of the bishops and the high beneficed clergy claimed the same privilege on the part of their order the tiers etat as they were then called disowned any knowledge of artificial orders and artificial privileges and they were not only resolute on this point but somewhat disdainful they began to consider the aristocracy as a kind of fungus growing out of the corruption of society that could not be admitted even as a branch of it and from the disposition the aristocracy had shown by upholding lettres de cachet and in sundry other instances it was manifest that no constitution could be formed by admitting men in any other character than as national men after various altercations on this head the tiers etat or commons as they were then called declared themselves on a motion made for the purpose by the abbe Sies, quote, the representative of the nation and that the two orders could be considered but as deputies of corporations and could only have a deliberate voice when they assembled in a national character with the national representatives End quote. this proceeding extinguished the style of etat general or states general and erected it into the style it now bears that of l'assemblée nationale or national assembly this motion was not made in a precipitate manner it was the result of cool deliberation and concerned between the national representatives and the patriotic members of the two chambers who saw into the folly mischief and injustice of artificial privileged distinctions it was become evident that no constitution worthy of being called by that name could be established on anything less than a national ground the aristocracy had hitherto opposed the despotism of the court and affected the language of patriotism but it opposed it as its rival as the english barons opposed king john and now opposed the nation from the same motives on carrying this motion the national representatives as had been concerted sent an invitation to the two chambers to unite with them in a national character and proceed to business 
the majority of the clergy chiefly of the parish priests withdrew from the clerical chamber and joined the nation and forty-five from the other chamber joined in like manner there is a sort of secret history belonging to this last circumstance which is necessary to its explanation it was not judged prudent that all the patriotic members of the chamber styling itself the nobles should quit it at once and in consequence of this arrangement they drew off by degrees always leaving some as well to reason the case as to watch the suspected in a little time the number increased from forty-five to eighty and soon after to a greater number which with the majority of the clergy and the whole of the national representatives put the malcontents in a very diminutive condition the king who very different from the general class called by that name is a man of a good heart showed himself disposed to recommend a union of the three chambers on the ground the national assembly had taken but the malcontents exerted themselves to prevent it and began now to have another project in view their numbers consisted of a majority of the aristocratical chamber and the minority of the clerical chamber chiefly of bishops and high beneficed clergy and these men were determined to put everything to issue as well by strength as by stratagem they had no objection to a constitution but it must be such a one as themselves should dictate and suited to their own views and particular situations on the other hand the nation disowned knowing anything of them but as citizens and was determined to shut out all such upstart pretensions the more aristocracy appeared the more it was despised there was a visible imbecility and want of intellects in the majority a sort of je ne sais quoi that while it affected to be more than citizen was less than man it lost ground from contempt more than from hatred and was rather jeered at as an ass than dreaded as a lion this is the general character of aristocracy or what are called nobles or nobility or rather no ability in all countries the plan of the malcontents consisted now of two things either to deliberate the vote by chambers or orders more especially on all questions respecting a constitution by which the aristocratical chamber would have had a negative on any article of the constitution or in case they could not accomplish this object to overthrow the national assembly entirely to effect one or other of these objects they began to cultivate a friendship with the despotism they had hitherto attempted to rival and the count d'artois became their chief the king who has since declared himself deceived into their measures held according to the old form a bed of justice in which he accorded to the deliberation and vote partet by head upon several subjects but reserved the deliberation and vote upon all questions respecting the constitution to the three chambers separately this declaration of the king was made against the advice of monsieur necker who now began to perceive that he was growing out of fashion at court and that another minister was in contemplation as the form of sitting in separate chambers was yet apparently kept up though essentially destroyed the national representatives immediately after this declaration of the king resorted to their own chambers to consult on a protest against it and the minority of the chamber calling itself the nobles who had joined the national cause retired to a private house to consult in like manner 
the malcontents had by this time concerted their measures with the court which the count d'artois undertook to conduct and as they saw from the discontent which the declaration excited and the opposition making against it that they could not obtain a control over the intended constitution by a separate vote they prepared themselves for their final object that of conspiring against the national assembly and overthrowing it the next morning the door of the chamber of the national assembly was shut against them and guarded by troops and the members were refused admittance on this they withdrew to a tennis ground in the neighborhood of versailles as the most convenient place they could find and after renewing their session took an oath never to separate from each other under any circumstance whatever death excepted until they had established a constitution as the experiment of shutting up the house had no other effect than that of producing a closer connection in the members it was opened again the next day and the public business recommenced in the usual place end of part twelve of thirteen